Welcome to the podcast, Roman. It is awesome having you here. First and foremost, I would like you to introduce yourself to the audience because I don't think I can do a justice to your introduction like you can. Uh, thank you so much, Babatunde. So yeah, my name is Roman, Roman Emic, and I'm working for the company Hololite. I've been in the field since around 2017 in the field of mixed reality technology. And uh, yeah, it started out with a passion already when I was studying psychology because I was seeing that this technology can change a lot in the way how we can communicate with others, how we can convey new ideas, how we can be more immersed within technology and just create a better way way of actually utilizing technology. So I was starting out in this field a couple of years ago, started out within a corporate, within the Robert Bosch Corporation, before switching to Hololite a few years back. Hololite is, a, is an interesting startup, so we're going to talk more about this. So for you, when was the first time that you knew XR was it to an extent? When was the first time maybe you tested the technology or you saw the impact that made you think, hmm, this is quite interesting and this should be something I pursue to an extent? This must have been somewhere in probably 2014, 2015. So this was the time when actually the startup Oculus with their first VR headset was doing a Kickstarter campaign. Not sure if it wasn't this year or a little bit earlier. And there I really got to know about virtual reality technology, which was super interesting for me. And shortly after, I was seeing a TED talk, which was called The Empathy Machine. And there you could actually see a video about a guy who was using virtual reality within a 360 video space to to immerse the user basically in a scene where you were sitting within native people in the US within a circle and you could feel that you were actually part of this group that you were in the experience instead of just watching it on a screen and he was talking about this idea of using virtual reality as a type of empathy machine creating a much better understanding because you can set yourself in somebody else's shoes and really see a new perspective and so this was actually when I got hooked on this technology and then later I realized that augmented reality and mixed reality has even more potential when it comes to various use cases and, and ways of using the technology and combining it with the real world. Personally, I also think augmented reality brings that sort of flexibility more than virtual reality. For virtual reality, although it is the one at least that is pushing the ecosystem to a large extent now, while augmented reality is trying to grow, right? But I still see that augmented reality has the highest potential, at least in this particular case. So that is what inspired you to an extent, right? So um, from that, how did you end up where you currently work? What was that trajectory like? Yeah, as mentioned, I was working for a corporate for some time, doing uh, writing my thesis also at Robert Bosch in the field of understanding how mixed reality can actually help in the field of technical training. And so this was a great step actually to get get really deeper into like an industrial field within um, extended reality. And there I got to know the founders of Hololite in this time on one of the conventions, Augmented World Expo. I joined the company when we were around 30 people. And since then, we have been growing extensively. The technology has been developing. The hardware has been developing. And it's been a really exciting journey so far. 
Okay, so this particular podcast episode is to talk about XR streaming. And mm-hmm. for me personally, it is something that I find very intriguing. I see the potential to an extent, but I'm sure I would not be able to explain it as much as you. So we are going to discuss some of those potential. And one interesting thing for me is actually the technology. Because personally, I am very passionate about WebXR which mm-hmm. is uh, XR experiences delivered on the web. And over here in Africa, if we are not delivering solutions to corporate clients, then it means you are looking at consumers, right? Mm-hmm. And the quest to, yes, the price is low, but for some sort of consumers, it is not low. So delivering XR experiences on the web has been one of the major ways that we've been able to test out the technology in this sort of ecosystem. When it comes to XR streaming, I think it gives that possibility to a large extent for us to be able to stream high-quality XR experiences from not just inexpensive devices, but also in low-end devices. That is my major interest, but I know that there are many sites to explore when it comes to it. Please, I would like you to speak a bit more about XR streaming. Yeah, so this is a very interesting field, and you, as you have outlined, there are there are different perspectives on it, and there are different components to mixed reality streaming. So one which you just mentioned is streaming to WebXR. So this is right now not yet our core focus, because as you are mentioning, so this is WebXR, so the streaming to a browser is really important when it comes to creating very large-scale experiences and also delivering the experience to end consumers. So we're not so not so much focused on the end consumer sector, but on the industrial sector. So for us, it's really about enabling experiences with streaming for industrial use cases. So basically looking at the industrial metaverse. And streaming itself is a necessary component to create high quality experiences on low end devices, as you just rightly pointed out already. So let's say we have like a low end device like the Quest 2 or a smartphone, which has not so much graphics power. With XR streaming, we can actually offload this resource and the application to a server, which can be sitting in the cloud, but which can also be offline on premises, for example, within a company network. So there you can utilize now a very strong graphics cards, which can create an experience which is much more capable than the one on the device itself. So let's put this into an example. For example, one of our clients is BMW. BMW is using mixed reality in different fields. One of it is prototyping. So as you can imagine, all these complex products are created within CAD software, so computer-aided design software first. So when you have like a car, complex vehicle, it has a ton of different components and elements to it. So to visualize this in a high quality is currently not possible on standalone devices as they don't have enough graphics power. So with the streaming, they're using basically our technology in order to visualize those vehicles for their engineers in the best quality possible and stream it to different devices. The idea of streaming and one more really important factor is that it enables you to stream a video stream instead of data. So what does this mean? In the end, you don't send the data to to devices, but you send a video stream from the graphics card to, for example, a Quest 2, but you can also send it to different devices. I have a question about that. When it comes to immersive experiences, there is not just the streaming out in terms of what we are consuming. There is also the input. So if you are streaming video, how easy is that input back to the experience? 
That's a very good question. Our streaming is called the ISAR, and the I in the ISAR stands for interactive streaming for augmented and virtual reality. Usually when you would have a video stream and you just stream it to a device, it wouldn't be interactive, right? So this is, this is a challenge, and that's why our technology is developed in a way that it takes out all the sensory output of the devices, such as tracking your hands, tracking your movements, tracking your eyes, for example, or also mm. the gyroscope, which is tracking uh, partially your position or the slam tracking, which is tracking your position and taking all the sensory output and sending it back to the server. So this means for the developers that they can just create applications as they're used to it and all the interactive elements, like for example, interacting with an object, like grabbing it with your hands or having sound coming back from the device or the microphone and so on. So all those sensors which you need in order to have interactive experiences are there with the streaming. So there's no additional effort needed despite that this is pixel stream. So I'm assuming that if the device we are streaming to is not a VR headset, mm -hmm. then we can also be receiving button inputs from 100%. systems, mobile phones. 100%. So it doesn't really make any difference if the device is a VR headset or if the device is a mixed reality headset like a HoloLens or if the device is a smartphone like an Android or iOS smartphone. You can basically stream to all those different devices and have an interactive experience with your AR, VR or mobile application. I really want to understand the ecosystem in terms of accessibility. So how accessible are these sorts of technology right now in terms of XR streaming? At least your brand is focused on large industrial delivery. And that is even what I am asking right now. Mm -hmm. So even in terms of that large industrial delivery, how accessible is the technology? How expensive is it? And so on. A simple way to access the technology and the simple way goes via an SDK. So an SDK is a software development kit on Unity, which you can integrate in the application. It's very, very easy to integrate and to start out with streaming because you can just take the SDK in, in like an hour. You can actually create a streamed application, which you can host on any server. And then if the companies are looking at deeper integrations, we are offering a, a platform approach, basically. And this is where I was going with the different use cases. There are a ton of different use cases out there in corporates. And what we've experienced was that it's very hard to scale those use cases as there's no management system for all the different applications. So this is why we've created a platform called XR Now, which allows you to take all the different applications, for example, from different um, parts of the company in training or in engineering or in manufacturing or whatever applications they have and put it on this one central platform to manage and to stream it to all the different users. So this makes it easier for the management and for the IT to actually manage their applications and see who has access to which application, um, bring in a user management system, server, or server and resource orchestration and services like that. And on the other hand, it makes it very easy for the users to access the application and just jump into the experience on demand whenever they need. I see. So for companies hoping to adopt XR streaming, especially automotive companies in hospitals and all the examples you've given, what are the key considerations that they should look at? Do they have to have developers in-house? Do they not have to have some sort of technical experiences around it? 
most of the corporates we work with have their own in-house developers. In some cases, we also develop applications for them, or they can also work with different companies um, where they say, okay, we have an application from a vendor, but we want to integrate streaming with it because of the benefits and of the different uh, components, which we have talked before, like having a better, more high quality experience on different devices, for example. So this is what they can do, either have their own applications and their own knowledge insight to use streaming as a technology, or they can also come up to us or different software providers and then take the streaming technology and put it in this kind of application. What sort of innovation do you think is happening in the space of XR streaming right now? When I say innovation, I mean, what is the goal in the next two years? Because I know that companies think of the future. Oh, right now we are doing this, but in the next two years, this is what the technology would look like. There's actually a lot of exciting things to happen right now. On the one hand side, we are looking at more hardware that is going to be supported with XR streaming so that you can have a wide variety of devices. It's also about accessibility because you might have a preference to a certain VR or AR device and your colleague has a different preference. So actually, you can then just take this application on the device of your preference, whatever you want. On the other hand, XR streaming goes hand in hand with scaling mixed reality in corporates. So it really helps to make it easy to deploy applications more easily to give access to many employees of the company and make it easy to manage the applications. So this is exciting about the next time that it makes actually scaling of mixed reality very easy for corporates. I see. So one thing that we've actually not touched, which is very important in this ecosystem is the metaverse. And if one thing is clear, at least when it comes to the metaverse, it is that everyone do not have the same definition of the metaverse. And it will be quite interesting to know your definition of what the metaverse is. So the metaverse is in the end all about immersiveness. When you look at the past years of how the technology developed or of the, the past decades actually by now, uh, we started from the internet with text, we moved to images, we went to video, and the next, next step is really to immerse yourself in the internet. And for us, there's a, there's a public metaverse and there's an industrial metaverse, which I can differentiate here. So the metaverse itself is an always on virtual or virtually enhanced space, which people can access via AR and VR devices to interact with digital or physical content and each other. So there's mm -hmm. different layers to it. And the industrial metaverse is really about to have the central and scalable ecosystem for industrial enterprises to give employees continuous access to mixed reality work for different processes and for different applications. Before you go forward, for the industrial metaverse that you've defined mm -hmm. just now, are you saying compared to the previous one, it is less about socializing and more about collaborating and creating? Yeah, I think that that's fair to say, because in the end, an industrial metaverse case is not so much about just being in the space to to have fun, but you want to just create a certain goal or like you, you are in this in the space to collaborate on a certain project and achieve a certain goal. We believe that there's won't be one metaverse. 
but a range of metaverses probably like also when you look for example right now at social media platforms there's not the one social media platform but the, uh, the landscape is spread out of course there are uh, a couple of big players and we also believe that this is going to be uh, part of the next metaverses that there are some big players but they need to collaborate or they need to be accessible and connected within each other and the industrial metaverse is really about achieving a certain goal for the company and there will be quite a number of companies which have their own metaverse space. That's quite interesting because my company currently we do have our own metaverse space mm -hmm. and we are also building architecture for the future when it comes to that. But so far, I don't think there has been that big distinction that there is an industrial mm -hmm. metaverse and one also focused on the social aspect. For us, at least, it's because we've been looking at the customers. So our metaverse has been focused towards telecommunication. It has been focused towards creating a metaverse where we can actually deliver value to the customer to a large extent. Would you classify that as industrial? Because at the end of the day, they are still customers. And when they come in, I would think there will still be a little bit of socializing, even if they are coming to probably assess our services. So maybe I need to clarify this a little bit. So it's not that the industrial metaverse is not about socializing because socializing is always part of also our normal social structures, which are also happening in enterprises. But I think that's this, that the key focus is a little bit different as on the one hand side, we're looking at companies and fulfilling a certain goal within these companies, like for example, within BMW producing cars or within uh, Boeing or Airbus producing airplanes and all the services around that. And on the other hand side, like when we're looking at consumer use cases, there is a variety of other cases which are not specifically aimed to fulfill a certain industrial goal, but more, for example, on the entertainment side, on the gaming side, on the communication side. So it's just aimed at different use cases or to some degree different use cases. And this is why we are taking this distinction. Okay, so thank you for that clarification. One interesting thing when it comes to the metaverse is the impact that it might have on people. Also, when I say the impact that it might have on people, as much as we see the benefits and we talk about the benefits and we even work towards increasing more benefits within the ecosystem, everything has a negative effect also. So for the negative effects of the metaverse of XR, how do you see that playing out? Because many people just focus on that negative effect and they blow it up. Yet you cannot ignore them. Why? Because they are valid mm -hmm. in that aspect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I com completely agree. So, so like everything in life, um, we have we have different sides to it, and we have like positive and and uh, potential negative sides which can develop and. And some of those are, of course, that in the end, technology can be used for uh, benevolent and for, for malicious uh, intent. Um, so we also have like a couple of different dangers when we're looking at, at metaverse technology, for example, uh, the danger of addiction. When it comes to gaming, for example, we can already see that um, when we're using our smartphones, that there's a, a strong addiction potential for some people. And also when we look at uh, metaverse experiences or virtual reality, for example, experiences, that this can be addictive. Also, there's the danger of surveillance, for example, that we can even better surveil with this technology how people are reacting to certain experiences, like uh, having biometrical data combined with it, uh, for example, um, seeing how people react emotionally 
to certain experiences and how they can be in the end yeah, steered into a certain direction or nudged into a certain direction. Then we have, of course, the danger of data breaches, for example, from a security standpoint. So, of course, when we are in this always on Internet and working in the industrial space, we need to make sure that data is very secure. This is also one of the reasons why, by the way, why companies work with our XR streaming technology, because the data itself is never on the devices. We talked about the video stream. So it's just a video stream going to the devices and not the underlying data like cat data or BIM data or point clouds. So security is a danger and there's a bunch of other, other dangers as well. And I think it's important to address those issues. And we are seeing already debates taking place in countries. So recently there was also the, the big discussion about the metaverse in Davos and the World Economic Forum. And we need to have this discussion about how to use this technology within the corporates, but also within our political structures to be sure that we are steering in the right direction. How do you see AI, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. having an effect mm-hmm. on what we are talking about, which is the metaverse, AI-driven avatar systems? And when it comes to being used by company industries, it would be probably to markets, to people, or one thing or the other. So I was asking your opinion on how you see that playing out. So there is certainly a lot of connection between AI technology and between AR and VR or metaverse technology. Because in the end, when we look at the hardware and software, which is currently being developed, this is highly connected to each other in a sense that AI can help on different ends. For example, to create a better understanding of the physical world around a user or of the intent of a user. So let's say, for example, you're interested in biology and you're uh, looking with your future AI glasses at a certain tree. So the system, if the system is, in quotes, intelligent to understand what your intent is and what your background is, AI can really help to yeah, to convey so, into your experience and to give you a better understanding or give you a better output, basically, what you get actually into your experience. Um, although AI can actually do a lot more, we can now see this huge hype around generative AI and how it actually can create various content like texts, like video, even 3D and much more. And so we can already see that there's the first software being, um, being developed right now, which can help you, for example, to streamline the use and the creation of 3D content. And 3D is, of course, a vital component of mixed reality experiences. So there's really a lot of different effects and impact of AI technology on metaverse technology in creation of content, in understanding the intent of the user, in understanding the world around it and much more. Thank you very much. Can you speak a bit more about Hololite and what Hololite does as a brand? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hololite is a German slash US based mixed reality company. So I'm right now located in beautiful Munich and we're a a company with around 80 employees. We're also sitting in North Carolina in the US in Durham. It's a tech triangle. We also have a dependency in Austria and our vision is to unleash the potential of mixed reality. So what we are really focusing on with our streaming technology and with our platform XR Now is to enable corporates to have to create the best mixed reality applications and enable the employees to use them on different devices and the corporates to scale their mixed reality applications. 
One part of our portfolio that we have developed over the past seven years is also a solution which is using the streaming technology for engineering and training. So this is called the augmented reality engineering space. And this is a collaborative solution to visualize CAD data, which is, for example, used in the automotive space, aerospace uh, sector, in, uh, in pharmaceutical sector, and many more. And this really helps engineers to streamline their business processes and have just a much more efficient collaboration tool. And uh, so HoloLight is an exciting enterprise, actually. And we will scale up next year significantly. So also who is interested to check out this company, we are going to hire many more people. And yeah, it's great to work here with this great team. So I think you already touched on the sort of things that HoloLight look to us when it comes to data and security. Can you also touch on key features when it comes to software, when it comes to how you deliver your services to clients, and also when it comes to the feedback that you've received in terms of their use of certain of your products or services? Absolutely. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to software, so I already touched on it. So we have the AR engineering space, which is designed for engineers, but also used in the field of training. Um, and on the uh, other side, we've been uh, talking about the streaming technology, which we're offering as a software development kit, but also the platform, which we're offering to enterprises to scale mixed reality. So, so this is actually something where we are focused on the delivery and to make it as easy as possible. So this means on the one hand side, we're delivering this on cloud to be accessible from anywhere on demand. So all our solutions are possible to access them from cloud, but also because there's a lot of cases where we are working with very sensitive user data to deliver all of the solutions on premises. So this means you can work in an offline infrastructure, even in a darknet. For example, we are working together with AWS as our largest partners and being currently GovCloud approved to work with aerospace companies on their highest security level. And we want to really make it as easy as possible to our clients to use the solutions. So the feedback is, yeah, is when you are using, trying out the solution, you can uh, actually have your own feedback of how it is. So the feedback that we have collected so far uh, is, is amazing, especially in the engineering field. So and this is not just something which I'm, which I'm just saying like this. I've really given a lot of demos to people of this technology. And I remember one specific situation where an aerospace company visit us, visited us in the US on a, on a convention and there were like 15 people coming in in our private space and we welcomed them and gave them HoloLenses uh, where we jumped into this multi-user experiences and it was a jaw-dropping experience from, for them, uh, which I, I was so delighted about to, to see this because like when you're working in the space and seeing this experience day after day, I'm still very um, amazed by it, but still it's not that it's something new for me anymore. And to see people and how they react and how they're enthusiastic about it is just amazing. All right, thank you very much, Roman. You've already spoken about Ololight, but one key thing that I was actually interested in was the ISAR SDK. Was mm -hmm. that the SDK you already explained that works on Unity? Was that it? If that was not it, please, can you just give me a bit of proof about that? So the ISA SDK is core of our streaming technology. So this is something we have put in a lot of work and thought. 
in order to bring streamed experiences to any mixed reality application. And it works very easy in the end because you can integrate the ISAR SDK into all your mixed reality application in a very short time. So this means just in most of the most of the cases, just just a few hours of work, and then you can have a streamed application. And what this really helps you with is on the one hand side create those high quality mixed reality experiences because we can utilize strong graphics cards and really powerful PCs on cloud, but also offline. You can stream an application all of a sudden now, not only to one device, but to multiple devices. So this gives accessibility and a larger range of potential customers using the application with different devices. It gives more data security because, as said, the data never leaves the device. It's always just a pixel stream coming to the device and it enhances the development cycle. So it makes it easier to develop applications because you can just create one application which you have to maintain and this is your base application as you can stream it to any device. So there's also a bunch of other interesting facts about it, but I think that's the main bits of the ISA SDK. Thank you very much. So some interesting closing questions. So you already defined the metaverse the way you see it. So if you were to compare the metaverse to a book, anything that you've either, either read or you are open to read, what book would that be? Oh, um, hmm, book is a good question. So, so there's the classics. There's Neil Stevenson's uh, Snow Crash, who basically defined and, and coined the term metaverse. I do not like relating our version of the metaverse to that one. Yeah. I, I would just only credit it for giving it the name, but I'm yeah. hoping the, the, the society does not end up, and the ecosystem does not end up that way. So is no. that the book you are relating it to? <laughs> I mean, not, not, not really, but, but I have to admit that I'm a big fan of uh, sci-fi um, series and books, and I'm also a big fan of utopian, but also dystopian stories. And so, so this is definitely not to compare with what our current um, evolving metaverse looks like because we're just at a very different stage and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the metaverse um, will be used for a lot of positive outcomes. Um, but as I'm also a fan of those kind of um, dystopian stories, I can actually compare, um, compare I have like one, uh, one interesting uh, series which I recently um, have seen so a TV show called uh, The Peripheral, and this is basically a little bit like uh, like uh, from the idea, like the Matrix, but it's a non-invasive technology where you can just control uh, an experience with your mind. So this is basically the Metaverse 5.0, <laughs> <laughs> where we can really jump into a world uh, with a different body. And what I really liked about this is the fact that there's one part of the story revolving around a guy which is actually handicapped and so he's stuck in this body and with this technology he actually can access a completely new world and a completely new experience with a functioning body and there's actually a parallel which i can see to the current technology um, of ar and vr because we can actually use this technology to create a new perspective even if it's not like having a controlling a different body or something which might be or might not be very possible very far out in the future but really getting into somebody else's shoes and seeing the world from this perspective and and even creating um you're using augmented reality to gain a new type of senses because we can just enhance our reality 
with uh, with a different experience. I see. So unfortunately, I've not watched Peripheral, but all you've explained, I like it. Uh, did you watch Ready Player Me? Yeah, Ready Player Ready One. Player yeah. One. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes. Uh, so for me, personally, I would relate to Ready Player One mm-hmm. because I would like it to be that fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I would not want the society to be that way. But in mm-hmm. terms of the how advanced the technology should be, that is it, absolutely, in terms of what was achieved on there. Right. So you did watch Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. What was yeah. one takeaway for you, at least, what you liked the most? It's hard to say. Like, I, I generally like the movie. Um I don't have like one particular thing actually what I can what I can say what I like the most. It's, um, it's a good movie. So there's actually this idea of creating a way of again interacting from a different standpoint with uh, with a proxy with a technology and uh, setting yourself into somebody else's shoes is a kind of empathy machine. All right. So thank you very much for coming on, Roman. I think I've I've learned a lot. I now know more about XR streaming. Um, and that would be from you. So thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with thank- me and the odd and people listening. Thank you so much for having me. So um, before I say goodbye, can you do you have any recommendation on any resources for people listening to check out to learn more about what you've said or anything? So generally, there's there's definitely our homepage which you can check out. There is. I think a lot of different sources when you're going on blogs like Scarred Ghost or other uh, writers in the field. But also you can follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn. So I'm sharing a lot of different use cases and thoughts. What I'm interested in is not only sharing information and news about XR streaming and about our company, which is also interesting, but just around what's happening around the space and in and around the space. Um, news from the mixed reality space, from the hardware side, also from use cases, from certain type of business cases. So um, yeah, please feel free to follow and connect with me. Yes, please do follow and connect with him. So last question, Roman. I think one of the most anticipated things in the XR ecosystem or Metaverse ecosystem is when Apple would actually release their hardware. So from your opinion, when do you think mm-hmm. it would be? So actually, we have been like when you're working in this metaverse space, this is uh, this is we are, we're all waiting for this message for a very long time. But I think really that this year is going to be at least the announcement of their first mixed reality device. It looks like that the real AR device is going to be a little bit further out in the future. So that's at least also my estimation as this is much, much harder to create. But uh, like to create a mixed reality device, I think we are going to hear some big announcement from Apple this year. All right, awesome. then. Let's hope that comes true. Thank you very much once more. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. 